Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. Oh, how you doing, Venue Airdrie? We good? Oh, I feel like I was rushed getting on stage this morning. Okay, we good. We good. Do y'all want to watch me watch water or drink water? How we doing? Watch me watch water. How we doing with this uh, mic? Are we good with this whole this whole setup thing? I feel like my ear is has shrunk since we tried this on earlier. <laughs> Be patient with me, production. Are we good? Can y'all hear me? Okay. Um, good. I don't know what to do with my hands, so you're just gonna have to like bear with me here. So my mom is Irish, so I'll, I'll adapt. How are we doing, Venuardi? Uh, welcome to our series, My OS, Time to Hit Reset. Um, who's got my box of donuts? All right. Y'all like donuts? We're in the middle of a 21-day fast, so the donuts is going to hurt somebody's feelings here today, I guess. So some of us are giving up donuts. Some of us are getting up chocolate, TV, caffeine, whatever we need to give up so that we can pray more for our neighbors. So thanks, Nas. Um, do you want to sit over here? <laughs> you want to sit over here? You want to? <laughs> You want a donut? Yeah. <laughs> All right, tell you what, you can keep nine of them, okay. but I need one back. Just one? Yeah, I need one back. Okay. So if you just give me one back, I got other kids to feed. Just, like I got, one, though, okay? just one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just put it back in the box, thanks. I guess. You know, if, if I give you nine, nine donuts, and I promise to give you a box of donuts every day, how's that, uh, that chocolate doing? So good. <laughs> <laughs> and if I ask for one donut back, and you won't give that back, but I promise to give you a box of donuts every day, it's going to put a bit of a strain on our relationship, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Venue Church, we are talking about money today. Thank you, Nasia. Give her a hand, everybody. Um, does anybody want a donut this morning? Even if you're fasting, look, I'll let you off the hook one time. You want a donut? Yeah, yeah. Come on. She took a bite out of this one. I'm going to put this one over here just so I can see this. Just wants a donut. Who wants a donut? Come get one. Come on. Don't be shy. You're not shy at your house, man. It's like your house. Just don't mess up my box of donuts. Whoa. We, now we're tackling people for donuts. It's okay. Okay. Two more. Jason wants a donut. Do it. Make sure he gets one first. Oh, that's sweet. All right, he gets a donut. All right. Oh, thanks. <laughs> All right. We're going to be talking about finances today in the last part of our series, My OS. Listen, if God gives you a box of donuts and asks you to hold it for him, keep in mind that they're his donuts. And then he says, hey, I've got other kids to feed, so I need one of those donuts back. And then if you do that, I'll make sure that you have a box of donuts every day. But what we do sometimes is we look at that one that God asks for us to give back because he's got other mouths to feed. And what we do is we look at that and we're just like, ah. And then we lick the donut and put it back in the box. Well, that will put a strain on your relationship with God. Did you know that Jesus talks about money more than he talks about just about anything else? And today we're going to talk about our resources and our responsibility. Now, if, if you're far from God, if there's one thing that probably annoys you about, about church people, as far as your experience shows, it's this one word that keeps coming up, and that's called hypocrisy. 
You look at people in the church and you're like, they say they're generous. And there's something about church people that we want to appear generous. But there's this other thing about us that we'd, we'd rather almost appear generous than be generous. And so if you're far from God and you're just coming in, you're just checking God out, you're going to love this service today because I'm going to rag on church people a little bit and say, here's what we're responsible to do in the world. So, so here's some of our hangups about, about religion. I was, I was at the bank a few months ago. And, um, and I was talking to the bank teller, and he was taking his sweet old time. That's why Aaron does the banking, because I'm impatient. It's a shock. It's a shock. But as we were taking, he was taking his sweet old time, I invited him to church, because that's just what I do. I, I'm just like, hey, you should come to my church. You'd love it. And he comes from a completely different religion than Christianity. So he said to me, well, he said, I do want to come and check it out. He's like, my problem with religion is that that I, I don't like it when money gets mixed up in religion, and, which is how a lot of people feel, right? And so my response was, because when money gets mixed up in religion, and now uh, we all know that there have been bad stories, but look, I mean, there's been corruption in religion, there's been corruption in Christian churches, and in Catholic churches, and in, uh, I mean, I, am I allowed to name the other ones? I don't know. I can speak, you know, there's been corruption in churches, but there's also been corruption in government. There's also been corruption everywhere. So if we could set that aside and say, okay, okay, corruption aside, because all the devil has to do is just like lick the donut and then we don't want to talk about the donut, <laughs> right? So let's, let's put the lick donut aside for a minute and say, okay, okay, here's the deal. Here's what I said to him. Because what he was saying to me is like, yeah, I love religion, but I don't like it when money gets mixed up in religion. And I said to him, do you like your family and is money mixed up in it? And he's like, yeah, well, yeah, but that's different. I'm like, that's different. Well, yeah, it pays for things like, like food and shelter. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> different. Now it's different. The corruption aside, lots of families are corrupted in how they spend money as well. So family aside, does, does the relationship of a family with money negate the relationship of the family? No. Food and shelter and what I work for and provide for and the money that I give away to my family is part of how I love them. Now we talked about, let's we remove sentiment from the church. Sentiment being like this, this sort of like um, we replace love with sentiment. Love to, can demand a sacrifice of you to help save somebody else. Okay, but sentiment will not. Sentiment demands a sacrifice of everybody else so that I can appear generous when I'm not. So sentiment is this like sort of self uh, I, I want to feel a certain way, and so I exaggerate my own generosity, and, 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 and this is, it's, it's this self-indulgent sort of a view of the world. Now, we have to take sentiment out of the church and say, okay, let's replace it with love, the love of Jesus. And when we did that, here's what, here's what would fascinate you, and particularly if you're far from God, and the whole money talk that I'm going to do today, listen, it will work for you. It works for loads of unsaved, unchurched people. If that's how you see yourself, you'd say, like, I'm far from God, I don't agree with it. There are loads of businesses that give a percentage of what they make away, because there's this law of generosity that it always comes back to you. But that aside, what I, what I would say to you is if everybody on your block and you call yourself a Christ follower knew that you gave a percentage of what you earned away to one day help them connect with God, you gave a, if everybody on your block knew that about your family and said they give one out of every 10 donuts away, they might still think you're crazy. But they know that you love them. Wouldn't they? Everybody on your block is like, they give one out of every, so that one day I might have an opportunity to come and connect with God and get my marriage fixed and my family fixed and get help with raising my kids. And, and they use it to feed poor people. And they, what a testimony would that be in our city? I'm going to rag on church people just a little bit today. 
We live in a day of, un- of conditional love and unconditional blessing. But see, it's, it's like a teeter-totter is what it is. And so what we want sometimes when we come into church is well, what we secretly want is unconditional love and unconditional blessing. But it's a teeter-totter that's broken. That's not how it works. Every child, think about your kids if you've got kids, but every child has, has two needs inside of them. Unconditional love. Like, no matter what I do, I need to know that I'm loved by you. Right? So there's the unconditional love part. But then there's this other thing that every child needs to earn a compliment. These participation badges for everything. Canada. Oh my goodness. There was a day when you actually had to do something to hear a well done. Now I had to earn a compliment from my dad, but there is in the heart of, of every, there's in the heart of every child this need to like, okay, I need to be unconditionally loved. So no matter what I do, I need you to love me. But then there's this other thing that's like, you know what? I can earn something for myself now. I can do what's right when love requires it of me, so that I can hear it well done. We had a, a situation happen this week. I wasn't going to tell the story with, with my daughter, Neela. And, uh, and something kind of unfair happened to her at school. And, and I asked her, I said, you know what, sweetheart? I said, you're going to be a leader someday. And you need to learn really early that leadership is not fair. I said, I need you to take one for the team and just let yourself look wrong in this situation so that you can connect with other people right there. And she's like crying. Okay, now this is my little girl, my baby shark. Welcome to my sermon called Panic in the Shark Tank. You need two things in your life to reach your dreams. You need to be able to sacrifice, and you need to partner with the shark. And Neela's my little baby shark. 2.2 billion views. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about, and that song is in your head right now. Baby shark. 2.2 billion views, and tell me there's nothing wrong in the world. But my Neela now, she's sitting on my lap, and she's crying, and I'm like, you know why I can ask this of her? Because I'm her father, and I don't want her to be mediocre. I want her to be the best. I, I'm like, here, this is going to feel unfair. But when we walk to school the next day after, she's like, okay, I'll do this, Dad. I'll do this. We walk to school the next day, and I'm just like, hey, I'm proud of you. Fist bump. You got this. There's something in her heart. She needs to know that I love her no matter what she did in that situation. But the second thing she needs is to be able to earn that fist bump. And as soon as she got that fist bump, man, she's three inches taller going to school. She's like, hey, man, other people get upset about this, not me. I got it. I'll, I'll spend recess inside. It wasn't my fault. My shoes were worth. Some kid put them. It doesn't matter. I'm bigger than this. I can do this. I got this. Have you ever missed an opportunity to step up in your life? This is an opportunity for Neela, and this is an opportunity for you today. See, what happens is God has this plan for your life, and it's hard because it's like climbing a mountain. But, but wherever you're at in this journey towards God, there, there's this. But if you look back, and particularly if you've been in church for a long time, and you look back in your life, you're like, why didn't I apply myself in that career? It was so good for me, and I just didn't appreciate it, or I blew it, or I started drinking. or Why didn't I tell my wife that I loved her, and now it's too late, and now it's gone, and... And I did, but I didn't say it. And why did I spend so much time at work? And I missed all this time with my kids, and now I see them every other weekend, and now why? I could have stepped up in that time of hardship, in that time of pressure. I could have stepped up, and maybe the trajectory of my life could have, could have been over here. But what happens is, in those moments of opportunity, you, you, you take this other path here. And every decision you make after that other path, this is where God had intended for your life. It was going to be a hard uphill climb and you needed your brothers and sisters in the house of God if you're a Christ follower. It's hard. You need support. You need the Holy Spirit to do it. If the dream you have for your life is, is something you can actually manage, it's way too small. You need the Holy Spirit involved. It has to affect way more people than you could ever affect 
But listen, that's it. I mean, it's a challenging thing. I want Neela to be the amazing at what she, I want her to be the best that she can be. I won't accept anything less from her. And so as she's going up here, but they, she has these moments of opportunity and, and you and I have these moments of opportunity. And then we start in these parallel lines that are kind of like this, but see, the further you get out here, the further away you get from your destiny. And the further you get away from, listen, listen, the voice of God. When you miss an opportunity, what happens is you, you miss an opportunity to sacrifice or to do the right thing or to do what love requires of you. And you miss an opportunity and then it's like, well, then I have to create an excuse, which is a lie all dressed up to look nice. And I have to create a story around that that makes it make sense to me so that I don't feel guilty about it. Rather than going back and doing the right thing, this is what we often do. And the further away we get, we're like, okay, and then we start mixing... Our, our lack of ability to sacrifice or our fear, we start mixing it in with control and we start mixing it in with what God wanted us to do way back here. And God's voice gets quieter and quieter and your voice gets louder and louder, but you don't notice until you're out here. And sometimes, the, if I can be honest, sometimes the things I hear Christians say about their lack of sacrifice is shocking to me. I'm like, this is not God. Here's the deal. When, when God asks you to move up and step up, there's only grace for obedience. And listen, here's a shock for you. The Holy Spirit never makes a deal. You start mixing with you. The Holy Spirit doesn't make a deal with that. You make a deal with something, but you don't make a deal with the Holy Spirit. And the further we get, well, today I'm, I'm going to tell you, and this is what I've been praying for you this week. Today is a, you have these rare opportunities in your life where all of a sudden God's like, you know what? I can't get you back everything that you could have had there, but I can actually hit a reset. My OS. I can hit a reset and get you back in the same arena that you could have been in. But it's going to require two things. It's going to require sacrifice, and it's going to require partnering with a shark. Shark tank. If you've ever lived in dark years apart from God, sometimes I think that <laughs> preaching to church people that we be more sacrificial, that should be a gimme. I mean, that, that should be a gimme. If God saved you from eternal separation from him, for us to be generous with what he has asked us to be generous with so that he can bless you more like you're in from the outside and you've lived your life in sin and you come into the church and you're like oh god i would give anything for my sins to be are you i've tried everything that money can buy and we had a, a family that came for the first time about 18 months ago the Warankas, uh, scott and renee and they they came in and they're like far from god they never grew up in church like some of you did they're far from god and they come into church and like from the very first week there was something about them and they're like we've tried everything but tell you what all the money in the world doesn't matter if, if your marriage is falling apart all the money in the world doesn't matter if your kids and you don't know what you're doing and all the money in the world doesn't it won't fill that hole inside of you because that's not how relationships work but if you want to maintain a relationship, don't lick the donut and put it back in the box and keep it for yourself. <laughs> Here, kids, you want a donut? Uh -uh, okay. No, no, freely receive, freely give. And so what happens is they come in, and from the first week, they would never take their family anyplace else and expect somebody else to pay for them. It makes no sense. So they come into church, the offering baskets go around. They're like, oh, what's this? Okay, put money in the offering basket. We've received, freely give. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Makes sense to church people, right? You don't expect some other family to pay for your kid to play hockey. Do you? And then you want to be president of the board, but they're all like, hey, why don't you pay for your hockey? Like everybody else is doing, right? Sort of a thing. But what was interesting is, and I'm going to be talking about a principle called tithing today, which is one-tenth. That means tenth, 10%, because God doesn't think we're good at math. Um, he wanted to help us out a little bit. So they heard about the principle of tithing after they'd come in for a few months. and They heard about the principle of tithing. And they're like, oh my goodness, 
This is the investment we've been looking for, basically. I mean, we've tried a bunch of other stuff. And, but to have God, okay, and I'll explain this in a minute, but they're like, okay. So, so they started it, and they tried it. It's the only place in the Bible where God says, hey, try this. And if it doesn't work after six months, I'll, get, I'll write you a check for it. Don't worry about it. I've never had to do that. No pastor has ever had to do that because God has never broken his word. But, but they're like, okay. So every month they started giving one out of 10 donuts. They started giving back, not dollars, because dollars hurts too much. So we'll talk about donuts. Um, one out of every 10 donuts that came into their house, they gave away. And then they sold a property. So then they gave one out of 10 donuts of the increase of the property, meaning what they had put in, you know, it was subtracted from what they ended up selling it for. And so the cost of that, and, and then they brought in that. And four days later, four days later, they sold a property they had been trying to sell for, how many years had it been? Four years they'd been trying to sell that other property. It was a cabin. At one time, they had tried to sell that property for $100,000 less than they ended up selling it for. Four days later. There's this thing that God couldn't do. See, here's what a shark, here's what partnering with a shark will do for you. You walk into the shark tank. They will not run your business for you. You have to do what only you can do. So God can do what only God can do. And then we look at God and we're like, what's in it for me? What value do you bring to this company? And God's like, I think the better question is, what value do you bring to that company? It's something that they established themselves in. There's something, there's something that we've failed to talk about in church and failed to educate people about. And then we fill churches up with people who are not sacrificial but love appearing sacrificial. And the world looks in and they can sniff a rotten donut a mile away. And they're like, what? You're not gender. You don't even tip people in restaurants, Christians. You're the worst tippers out there. They're like, what? Why would I be a part of that? If you, if you would at least give and do what your God tells you to do, I'd have to respect that, even if I disagreed with it. I would have to respect the sacrifice of that. See, money used to rule them, but now it serves them. And now it serves God. There's something here that, that is conditional. And it's up to you. Look, God will love you either way. It's not a question of God loving you. Of course God loves you. But God loves everybody. Have you figured that out? Do you want to live in the blessing of God? Well, it's conditional. See, God does not respond to need. He responds to faith. And so it takes faith to give the first part away, to give the first part back. And then God's like, hey, but tell you what, if you do this, and I'm going to show you on a chalkboard, like a school teacher, you'll see if I can actually write neatly or not. I feel like I can, decently, (laughs) decently neatly. There's this thing here that you'll find if you're on stage here that stage people do. There's this thing that, because people look at the rankings, they're like, a year and a half ago, they weren't even Christians. How come they're, they're all of a sudden, they're leaders in the body of Christ? Yeah, well, yeah. team leaders and small group leaders and stage people, there's this thing we do called tithing. Yeah. Yeah. Look, why would I give you a position of authority? You want to pastor people in a small group? Why would I give you a position of authority over the souls of people if I can't trust you with the money of, of God in your pocket? Yeah. Right. 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 No. Yeah. Oh, I'm hurting your feelings. But hey, <laughs> God... I'm going to show you the promises of God. And keep in mind here that he's never broken a promise and he wants to bless you. He's just trying to figure out a way to do it. And he came up with a way to do it. It's up to you. I mean, totally up to you. We'll love you. You can still come to church. I mean, it's fine, but I want the blessing of God. I want want you to be everything that God called you to be. I don't want you to stop at 20%. I don't want you to be down here and spend the rest of your life making excuses for why you never rose up. And today's a reset for you. And today's going to be a reset for the body of Christ, I hope, and, and this city as well. Now, 
There's all the reasons that you have about why, if you grew up in church, church people, if you're unchurched, church people are funny. We read the Bible and then we're like, eh, I don't really want to do that. So I'm going to pretend that it didn't say that. And then I'm just going to make a bunch of this other stuff. And so one of the things that we do to, to get off the hook for doing what God wants us to do is we say, well, okay, Jesus came, but he did away with the law of Moses. Now you remember Moses. He's, he's the one who came down the mountain with the 10 commandments. It's funny though. We don't want those 10 commandments to go away, but giving, we, we would like that to go away. So, cause we're not super okay if people sleep with our wives and murder our children and stuff like that. And also what we don't do with the Ten Commandments is to be like, hey, you know what, we're cool with, you know, I'm cool if you don't murder me, but if you sleep with my wife, that's okay. So let's trade them off a little bit. <laughs> okay, we're not, okay, but here are some excuses. It doesn't make sense to you because you don't come from church. But if you're from church and you refuse to do what God wants you to do and you just make up a story for it, then you have to keep telling yourself the story and then it gets worse and worse and worse. And so what we say is, well, Jesus didn't really talk about tithing. Well, the fact is that he did, but he was also talking to people that tithed. So it's like, did Jesus have to tell everybody to put socks on if that was what they did in their society? Well, no, he was kind of assuming that everybody wore socks, right? And so Jesus says in this one place in Matthew 23, he's talking to Pharisees and he's ragging on them for forgetting some very important things while they tithe. And he said, you should tithe, yes, but don't, that means the 10th. You should tithe, give 10% away, yes, but do not neglect the more important things, justice and mercy and faith. So then if you're a Christian and you don't want to give a tithe to God, then you say, well, I'm more concerned about justice and mercy and faith. And God's like, look, Zero out of four. We know we're saying, well, we love justice and mercy and faith. And the world looks at you and says, you care about social justice, but you don't give a penny to it. You just rag on people on Facebook. Tell everybody how much you hate everybody else on Facebook. But you don't give a cent towards these causes. Justice, you don't care about justice. Mercy, you're merciful for yourself and your donut-eating problem. And faith, it takes no faith to give nothing, and it certainly takes no faith to give at the end. If you have something left over, God's like, no, I work through faith. I don't work through need. So we look at God, and we're just like, why haven't you fixed all the problems in the world? And he says, I only work through faith. The faith of my people, that's all I've got. It's the faith of people. He's like, I'll do everything that I can do, but you've got to come and meet me 50-50 here. And a good 50-50 partnership is just this in a Shark Tank. It's like, you do everything that you can do, and I'll do everything that I can do. 100%, 100%, 50-50 partnership. We're in this with God. Malachi chapter 3. It's, it's interesting that if you've lived in the dark years away from God, you'll be much more receptive to this than if you lived with God, and then his voice starts getting quieter and quieter, and then you have this reset to hit. But I'm going to give you, you know what? I've got, I've got a gift that I have for you. Energy. I'll help you. I bring energy to people. I'm going to read a part of, of a scripture here from a prophet called Malachi. What you need to know is that after Malachi was finished his prophecy and Israel didn't do what God told them to do through the prophet Malachi, there was 400 years of radio silence until the time of Jesus. In the nation of Israel, 400 years, no prophet spoke. 400 years of radio silence. Do you want to know what he said that immediately preceded that, that caused that? God was giving his people a final warning and saying like, look, I'm talking to my people who I have saved, who I've called out of the world, who I've redeemed, who I've made a relationship with me for all of eternity. And we've got a problem because we're, we're so divided here and, we're at, and he gives one final warning and he's like, people, you have an opportunity to hit reset and they wouldn't hit reset. 400 years goes by until Jesus could come. 400 years of radio silence from heaven and whether or not you like it, if you have not been practicing this in obedience to Christ, you have been living in radio silence. It's just been your own voice in your head getting mixed up. But see, then when you make prayers and they don't come true, you get mad at God. And God's like, that wasn't me in your head. That was you. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6 says, I am God. Yes, I am. 
So first he has to establish that, no, you're not. <laughs> Baby shark. Don't forget who daddy shark is in the shark tank, please. Sometimes uh, entrepreneurs come into the shark tank and they're just like, and all the entrepreneurs in the shark tank are like, you know, Kevin O'Leary. Who likes Kevin O'Leary? <laughs> Dude's kind of cruel, but man, he speaks his mind. He speaks the truth. And he's like, this is a terrible idea. Why don't you take that out behind the barn and shoot it? You know what, though? Sometimes that's the thing that you need to hear. Like, you're a terrible husband, you know, from one of your brothers in the church. Like, you're a terrible husband, man. Why don't you take out that tone of voice behind the barn and shoot it? Learn how to talk to your wife and kids. I mean, come on. But, but he'll say this. And you know what? He's really trying to be merciful, I think. Now, he's kind of an interesting guy, and he's not nice, so Canadians don't like him. I'm just saying. But here's the thing. The, if an, an entrepreneur with a terrible idea, and when all the sharks are saying, like, whoa, this is a crazy idea. Look, you, there's a better idea out there. And somebody's like, no, I'm going to keep spending. You know, so they'll spend $500,000 on this idea. And they're like, no, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep spending money on this idea. And they're like, it's going to bankrupt you and bankrupt your family and cost you your marriage. And like, they're like, whoa, don't do this. Don't do this. It's a terrible idea. And so what happens is you have to understand when you walk into the shark tank, who the sharks are. And not you, baby shark. Every one of them is there like, what value do you give me? And every one of them is like, way more than you'll ever do in your lifetime. Are you kidding? They look at each other and like, what? What are you? And God's looking at us and saying like, what value do I bring? I am God. Yes, I am. And because I know what you're going to say next, because you're human and you're predictable, I haven't changed. If you're over here and you've been living in church off of somebody else's gift for 20 years, you've been saying like, oh, I changed when I, Jesus came. I changed my mind about this. And I haven't changed, y'all. That's what he's saying. And because I haven't changed, you descendants of Jacob haven't been destroyed. It's only by my mercy that you're even here, guys. But be glad that you can't manipulate your heavenly father. Man, if you had your dad wrapped around your finger, that ain't God. One time God told my mom in a prayer time, like, don't cry, try that cute stuff on me. Yeah. He's like, I'm not your dad. Don't try that cute stuff on me. I just need you to do this thing. I'm trying to bless you, man. Like, there's only one way. He says, you had a long history of ignoring my commands. You haven't done a thing I've told you. This is when mom walks into the room and she's like, half an hour ago, I told you. Kids, turn that TV off and clean up the basement. She walks in a half an hour later and it's like the TV's on. They're all sitting there looking at each other like. This is God. This is a mom walking down to the basement here. You haven't done a thing I've told you. Return to me so I can return to you, says God of the angel armies. Now, this is very interesting. Return to me. He's saying like, if you don't do this thing, then I can't do my thing. You spend all this time praying about your marriage and your resources and your kids. And you spend all of this time praying. He's like, I can't. This is how the world works. I can't until you do something. It's not a lot, but you've got to do something. You ask, but how can we, how do we return? Israel had gotten so far over here that they didn't know that they were in poverty, particularly spiritual poverty. They didn't even know. But how can we return? Like, what are we even talking about here? Now, enter the shark tank, and, and I'm going to read through this, and then I'm going to show you how, how this kind of works here. He says, begin by being honest. Like Kevin O'Leary honest. Begin by being honest. I think that you need to take a moment today and just be like, okay, if you grew up in church, now I'm not ragging on church people here. We, we provided this for you because we love you and because our master told us to. And we want to adopt more kids and we'll pay the adoption fee. It's on us. We love you that much. And, and we just hope that when you come into the family of God that you love the next person that much too. And so 
So we come in and he's like, begin by being honest. You need to write yourself and you need to write it down. This is what's kept me from being generous. Because so-and-so told me that the Old Testament and Moses, and no, tithing was established in the time of Abraham, way before Moses. Jesus said you should tithe. Yes, obviously everybody does, right? And then (laughs) begin by being honest. That's not the reason. It's not because you can't find it in the Bible. That's not why you're not generous. You're afraid. You got some bad information. You've been telling yourself lies and excuses. You're greedy. Well, I can't afford to. Well, God is asking people in Africa to tithe so he can bless them. They'd be like, what? Canadians have problems with what? It's called greed, Canada. It's called greed. You have everything and you want everything else. (laughs) You're like, oh, if only I was wealthy. Do you know that, like, I heard somebody sold a company for, like, a billion dollars or something, and they were still like, well, but you never know what'll happen. Because whatever you have, you already, you always know somebody who makes double what you make. There's no magic number. This is not. Begin by being honest. Write it down. I don't want to. Write it down. As soon as you write an excuse down, it starts losing its power in your life. Write it. Write down what you're afraid of. Write it down. I'm afraid that I'm not going to have enough for my kid. Write it down. Because then when you take that list to God and you're like, here's why, God's like, oh, okay, check, check, check. I'll take care of this. I'll take... And he starts working on a change in your heart until you actually say it, though. But when you say it, you're going to feel a little bit silly, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> then it says, do honest people rob God? What? But you rob me day after day. Wow. Then write this down. Not giving equals robbing. Yeah. God's like, I gave you a box of donuts and you won't return one to me? You're not not giving. You're holding my stuff. Like, it's my stuff you got in your pocket. Like, I asked you to hold $10, and then I asked for $1 back, and you won't give it to me? It's not your stuff, is it? If you've been saved and you traded everything that you are for everything Jesus is, it's not yours, is it? No, it's not yours. You ask, well, how have we robbed you? The tithe and offering, that's how. Tithe meaning 10%, and offering meaning on top of 10%. Now, why 10%? And again, I just think it's because God doesn't uh, value your math skills as much as you do. <laughs> it's difficult when you get a check and there's all dollars and cents in there. And he's just like, just move the decimal place and you got it. I, I had a kid in my grade 10 class one time and we were told 100 times, this is a no calculator test, everybody. You have to do the math in your head. And one second in the test, his name was Jason. I never saw him after grade 10. Maybe he never made it to grade 11. I don't know. But in grade 11, he probably never made it to math in grade 11 because he was like, this was Jason on, on his calculator right behind me. Now, these, we didn't have like touch screens back then. We had giant old, big old fat calculators, right, with big old fat numbers. <laughs> on his desk, behind me. And I look back. I look at the teacher. The teacher was a super strict math teacher. He was a little bit crazy, too. One time he got so mad in my brother's class that he smashed a yardstick on the table, and all the shards went all over the room, and all my brother's class probably because they were a little bit crazy. They went in and they jumped out after all of these yardstick pieces and they used those yardsticks to measure for the rest of high school. And so they just pop it out in front of him and just measure stuff. Anyways, this was him, super strict. And I look over and he's not even looking at Jason. And I'm like, Jason, tithing works for Jason, it'll work for you. It's just 10%, just move the decimal place. I love Jason, but Jason was not going to pass math anytime soon. And now you're under a curse, he says, the, lot, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me. And we're like, well, no, God is nice. He doesn't curse us. And God's like, no, no, no. See, I'm generous. If you live according to my law, you live under the blessing. But if you live according to the devil, who's a thief, like, you got to pick a team here, guys. 
So it's not like I'm cursing you. It's like you're cursed because of what you do. That's what sin does. It brings its own penalty. It's not like God is out there full of wrath trying to hurt you. No, sin is trying to hurt you and kill you. The devil, remember? God's trying to get you out from under that. Then it says this, bring your full tithe. Why? Because he knows what you're going to say. Well, I'm going to tithe 1%. Okay, the word tithe means 10th. That's what it means. 10% is not 1%. And it's also not 20%. It's 10. That's what it means. Bring your full tithe to the temple treasury. This is where he's prescribing. Now, look, if you're not a church person, take 10% of what comes in and just give it away. It will work for you. Find a good cause somewhere and give it away. Just do it. It will, it will bless your family. There's this law of generosity that works. But if you're a church person, he says, give it to the temple, to the local church. That's what he's saying here. My house, my family, my kids. God's like, if you don't care about my house and my kids and the next kids to be adopted, how can I care about yours? I can't do anything for you. Show your good faith to me. Return to me what's mine and I'll, I'll bless you. I'll bring more kids to be adopted. It'll be good for your family. I'll, I'll take care of it. Test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out wild blessings beyond your wildest dreams. Napoleon Dynamite, man, like vote for Pedro and all your wildest dreams will come true. And we're like, but God. And he's like, I just told you everything I was going to do. Are you my kids or not? For my part, he says, I will defend you against marauders, protect your wheat fields and vegetable gardens against plunders. I'm not super into the vegetable garden thing, but if you are, you know, I get it. And he said, you'll be voted happiest nation. You'll experience what it's like to be a country of grace. God of the angel armies says so. There are some promises here that I'm going to unlock for you. Um, Dave Ramsey says this. Let's start with the basics. Simply put, the tithe is the first 10% of your income that should be given to your local church. It's strictly measured in, in money, so you can't replace it with giving your time or your talents. This is Dave Ramsey of the financial peace guru, which we have a... a uh, you want to learn how to budget and stuff like that. Look, put tithing in your budget and you, you won't fight about it as much. You don't complain about your electricity bill, do you? Yeah. Well, the trouble is you're leaving the tithe till the last. It's supposed to be the first. When you give the first, then you'll live on the rest. That's how it works. I'm going to show you some of the promises about that. Charles Spurgeon says this. I mean, people argue about this all the time. So let's read a little bit of Spurgeon here. And if you're smart enough to argue with Spurgeon, then argue with Spurgeon and don't do it. I'll still love you. <laughs> but when you lose your job, it's hard to pray for you because you have to do what God wants you to do so that then I can pray. When you do hard things and you get a comp, that's what you need to do, right? Do hard things. And here are well done from God. Here, I'm going to bless you with more. I'm going to bless you with more. I'm going to give you a small group. I'm going to, give you, I'm going to bless you with more. I'm going to bless you with the souls of people. Spurgeon says, much has been said about giving a tenth of one's income to the Lord. Methinks, this is how he talks. Methinks it is a Christian duty that none should for a moment question. If it were a duty under the Jewish law, much more is it so under, now under the Christian dispensation. But it is a great mistake to suppose that the Jew only gave a tenth. He gave very, very, very much more than that. The tenth was the payment which he must make. But after that came all the free will offerings, all the various gifts at diverse seasons of the year, so that perhaps he gave a third, much more near that, certainly, than a tenth. I hear people say all the time, like, we're under grace now. I'm like, oh, you're under grace, like the grace of Jesus that bled out on a cross for you to save you from your sins, which you deserve to die on that cross and, and that grace? So you give way more than a tenth, though, right? Because if they required a tenth in the Old Testament, you're under grace now. You're under the love of Jesus Christ. Like you do way more than 10%, right? The trouble is anybody who says that never actually gives anything at all. I've never seen it. Maybe you have. I don't know. Tell me. Send me a text, man. But the first thing that I think you need to note is this. That just because it doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean it doesn't work. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> all right. I'm going to do a little math quiz here. 
Help me, Jason, from grade 10. So here's what God wants from you. He wants 10%. I know that the 10% is confusing, and I'm talking about dollars, so I'm going to remove the emotion and talk about donuts. Are you ready? So here's what God, what God says. Now, he wants to get in a 50-50 partnership with you, but he needs 10% equity in your stake, in your company. He needs it not because he's not devoted to you. He needs it because, remember we talked about loyalty a couple months ago? When I give you a gift, that doesn't make you loyal to me. That makes me loyal to you. So God so loved the world that he gave. That doesn't make you loyal to him. That makes him loyal to you. My, my kids aren't loyal to me because I give to them. They're loyal when they give something back to me. That's how loyalty works. And so uh, the first thing, he wants 50-50 partners here. So the first thing is, okay, God is like, okay, I need... Remember now, it's not money, it's, it's, it's a donut, so you're not allowed to feel emotional about it. And if you're fasting and you feel emotional about it, that's your problem. So he's like, I need one out of ten donuts. All right? So, um, but if you give this to me, if, if it's conditional, the blessing is conditional, if, if this is what you want to do, if this is a good investment, the nine that are left to you will be greater than the ten that you had before. Because now it's nine plus God is greater than nine plus you. I know it's hard to imagine baby shark, but this is true. And he's like, okay, if you do this, um, that's greater than that. So if you do this with your donut, that this is what I'm going to do, he says in another place. He says, for your one donut, I'm going to multiply it. Get this, multiples now he's talking about, not percentages. 30 fold. So I'll take that 10% you give me, and I'm going to return this to you 30 times. That's the smallest number. 60 times, 100 times. So I'm either going to give it back to you 30 multiples or 60 or 100 multiples of the money that you give. And I'm guaranteeing your other investment too. Wow. Right, so this is God. Um, and it talks in here about you'll be a pleasant country. You'll be, and the pleasure that you've been looking for your whole life, I'll make the donuts taste better too. You've been searching for pleasure your whole life, and money will never get it to you. But he's like, if you do this, then I'll show you what the pleasure was that I had in mind for you. I can change something in your heart, and you can actually feel pleasure like you've never felt it before. So he says this, and then he says, and he's like, if you want to do this, so I'm going to give you pleasure. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to defend you against marauders. So I'm going to make the donut devil. Those are teeth. That looks like a donut pig devil. <laughs> Eyes, unibrow. <laughs> and I'll defend you against marauders. And I'll punch the devil in the face. I'll help you with temptation. I'll help you beat this. I'll help you beat addiction. I'll, I'll punch the devil in the face for you. You don't have to do it. You're kind of, he does not afraid of you anyways. But I'll do that for you. That's what, that's what God says. And then he, what he's going to do is he goes, I'll protect the donuts that you already have. We've talked about that. And then he's like, I will also out of this, also out of this, what I'm going to do is, um, he's like, he's, he's talking about, I'll protect your field. So I'll protect your investments. So the donuts that you do send out in the 90%, he's like, I'll, I'll put this ring of protection around them so that your investments come back and I'll, I'll keep them safe for you. This doesn't mean that everything works out, by the way, but he's like, the grace of God will be on your investments. And then he says, the, the, the fruit will not fall far from the tree. Meaning, not just your investments, your children. The fruit. The fruit of your body. The, he's like, and all your little donuts at home. You want your kids to follow God? A lot of people pray that their kids aren't following God, but they won't give the tenth. My dad's like, you know, I don't have to pray for you all that much because I do what God told me to do. 
keeps his promise. So I'll make sure that the donuts and here's a tree, the donut tree. I'll make sure that the donuts don't fall that far from the tree. I want my daughters to live close to me. I don't want them to move away to Vancouver or something like that. No, I'm, I'm, it's a bit far. It's a bit far. It's a bit far. I'll protect your children and you'll be a nation of mini donuts. I'll make sure that your neighbors have enough too. You'll, you'll be a pleasant nation. I'll, I'll bless your country. Maybe you haven't figured out, but that's why Canada is blessed, but that's what we're moving away from. And then the last thing that I'm going to do here is I'm going to open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you can't even contain because all the rest of this isn't enough for me because I'm God and I can do this. And I'm going to do it just because I can. Father in heaven, we, we know that you love us and that's not a question of what this is. We can't earn your love, and that's sometimes where it gets a little bit twisty in churches that we're like, hey, you have to earn the love of God. No, this has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with us earning a blessing, but also us wanting the best for us, Lord. And I feel like God is saying to somebody like, look, of course I love you and save you. That was all free, but everything else is going to cost you. But don't you want that same freedom to come to everybody? You want influence? You want power of the devil? You want resources, like, I mean, real resources of heaven to be able to bless your friends and neighbors and real resources to give away and to feed poor people and to change society. God, thank you for this challenge to make something of our lives. Oh, God, we pray that we would dream much bigger than we have been dreaming. I want you to save the people around me, and I want it more than I want that donut. In Jesus' name. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.